You are listening to the Ridgewood Church Podcast on a sermon series that will take us through the Gospel of John, entitled, Learning Jesus. Well, there's a man that's been in the news over the last couple of weeks uh, because he recently passed away, and he's known as America's most isolated prisoner. And so he had committed several crimes that got him into prison, and then over time, he uh, committed multiple murders, including a prison guard. And so that caused him to be isolated for over 35 years. He was in solitary confinement, alone and disconnected. And I wonder what pain and struggle must have been going on in his life before he committed those initial crimes, and then subsequently from there, the isolation that continued to build in him a pain and a struggle that resulted in violence that kept him from people for that amount of time. Must have been incredible pain in his life. And his disconnection, although extreme, is something that we have all been familiar with at different times in our life. And it's important for us to see that connection with Christ is vital for us for eternity. And that's what we're going to talk about today, is the importance of us being plugged into the one who is our source of life. And so if you have your Bibles, I invite you to go ahead and grab them, and we'll be in John chapter 15 in verses 1 and 5 today. So John 15, 1 and 5. If you don't have a Bible of your own, we'd love for you to grab the one in the seat back in front of you there. You can track along page 901 is where we'll be today. And with the Ridgewood Church app, you can download that if you don't have it, but then just open it and hit media, sermon study guide. We're in uh, the series Learning Jesus, and then today's date, and you can track right along with where we are. But the big idea is that we all need to be connected, and so your connection to life is available. And we're going to see that in the scriptures today in what I believe is a really powerful statement from the Lord Jesus. And so we've been going through this Learning Jesus series And Jesus makes some pretty bold claims. These aren't tiny assertions that he's making about himself. And they're bold to the degree that he's either a crazy person or he's right and he's the son of God. And so as we've tracked along, our desire is that we would hear and listen for more than just good sayings, but that these sayings would affect our life and make make their way into making a difference in who we are. And we can see where we've been, a little roadmap of the I am statement. So we're wrapping it up today with I am the true vine. And I love how Pastor Paul guided us through John 14, 6 last week, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Paul said that we need to set our GPS in the, to the right address. And just for free, uh, that's Jesus for us, that we're going to set our GPS on him, not on religious achievement or things that we do for God in our own strength, not on people pleasing, but we set our GPS on Jesus. And so as we go into the scriptures today, let me just uh, uh, draw your attention to John 15 verses 1 and 5. These are red letters for us here today. This is Jesus speaking. And so let me read these two verses with you and then we'll get started. So Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. And dropping on down to verse 5, he said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So this is God's word to us today. 
And I just, just to give you a little roadmap of where I hope to take you here just in the next few minutes is that I want to share with you the relationship between the vine and the vine dresser that we can draw our understanding there a little bit more. And then we see how the branches are to relate to the vine. That'll be the second thing. And then I want to wrap up with just giving you five practical, simple things on how we can ask the Lord to bear fruit in our life as we abide in Christ. So that's a little bit of where we're headed today. This passage, as I was studying it, it's interesting. It's one of two what is known uh, um, in the scriptures um, for those that study them as mashals, M-A-S-H-A-L. There's two of them in John's gospel, and basically they're like parables um, and symbols on steroids for us. And so we saw that a few weeks ago in John 10 where Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and the way that the shepherd relate to the sheep. So much content is available for us in that powerful symbolism. And then this is the second one in John's gospel, the relationship between the vine and the branches. And so there's content here for days. And so I just am going to give you a 50,000-foot view of this passage of what really could be uh, an entire sermon series in what Jesus is saying here. And so first we need to understand the true vine and the vine dresser. And that is kind of the, the big idea of verse 1 in this passage. And so another way of thinking about it is that Jesus is making the claim, he's the vine, the vine dresser is God the Father, or the master gardener. And in the Old Testament, they understood very well that they were the vine. Israel understood that they were the vine, and they were spoken of in many places in the Old Testament. But what's interesting is that it was, they were primarily talked about, not in positive terms, but in negative terms, as though the vine had dried up or that they had stopped bearing fruit. And so many times they were being corrected along those lines. And so they were in danger of being in judgment for no longer bearing fruit. So the vine dresser or the master gardener can be seen as the Lord God providing complete oversight to the vine. So when Jesus comes in, he's disrupting a very long line of thinking that had been there, and he reveals that now he's going to be their source, and he's going to be their connection to the, the vine dresser or to the father now. So Jesus appears between the master gardener and those that would be his followers as the mediator. And I love the Apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy, you can see it on the screen here, 1 Timothy 2, 5, and 6 is, uh, for there is one God. And there is one mediator, so vine dresser and vine, between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. What an incredible picture of what Jesus came to do. And it's a picture of the vine and the vine dresser in their relationship together. For Christ to claim that he's the true vine, that's the, that word true is an important one for us here because it's important to understand that he's interrupting centuries of thinking. And so Israelites would have understood and known exactly what he was saying. And he was embodying obedience and complete submission to the vine dresser, to the father, in all the ways that Israel was unable to do. And previously, as the vine dresser is relating to and caring for and tending to Israel as the vine, he's loving them well, serving them well as their God and revealing himself to them, we see that the produce of that wasn't pretty on the part of Israel. And Jeremiah 2 calls them degenerate and um, wild in their approach. And I can relate to that as I was reading this passage, I can relate to that so many times that the Lord has loved me so well and cared for me in countless ways, and I treat that many times as degenerate and push away from the table of it as, uh, in a wild sort of way. And so the complete care that the 
Master Gardener is giving is an important thing for us to receive. And, and maybe you can relate to that as well, that you've been offered an incredible, beautiful inheritance, and many times you just go off in your own direction and you squander it. And that, my friends, is why, just as we saw in that, in that verse in Timothy, that we need a mediator. We need someone to pay our ransom. And I'm excited we get to share in the Lord's Supper today to be able to celebrate the work that Jesus has done. One theologian on this passage says that the spiritual oneness of Christ and his people, that's what he's talking about, what he's instituting here, his relationship to them as the source of all their spiritual life and fruitfulness are here beautifully set forth by a figure familiar to Jewish ears. So they knew exactly what Jesus was saying when he came and said, I am going to be the vine, that I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. And what that accomplishes is the next thing I want to draw your attention to is Christ's life in us. And that's what Jesus is bringing. And it, as our mediator and as the one relating between us and the vine dresser, that he is bringing his life in us. And just as we saw in John 10 with the good shepherd and the sheep, so we see it here that there's a two-way relationship within this picture that we're seeing of the vine and the branches. Jesus is in pursuit of us. He desires connection with us. And there's no life in Christ apart from the initiating work that Jesus did. Not a single one of us in our own state of lostness just stumbled into an intimate relationship with Jesus. We need God to have illuminated that in our hearts. And so we are the recipients of his grace. Romans 5.8 gives us a picture of that in saying that it was while we were still sinners that Christ died for us. So he's the one that he initiated the work in our life for us to experience the life that we find in the vine. And so we come to him for our connection to life as branches that are receiving what the vine is providing for them. Pastor Paul speaks often, he uses the phrase, and I love to tease him about it because he uses it a lot, the, our connection to Christ. I want you to be connected to Christ, and that's something that we pray for you often, for each one of you, that you would experience your connection to Christ. And that happens, we see in this verse, in verse 5, as we abide in him. And that word abide is not one that we typically use very often, and, and it just simply is about us remaining close to Jesus but the, the word there is, is so much more than that. It's jam-packed with meaning. And so I just want to take an attempt at um, spelling it out for you a little bit. It means to stay or to remain, to wait where you are with expectancy for something to come in the future. So in a sense, there's a waiting or a staying, but not in an empty existence sort of way. But abiding it means to keep on, to remain, and perpetually be connected to the vine. And there's a fascinating element to that that I think carries with it a little bit of a pitfall or a trap when we start talking about abiding because it seems like such a passive thing. So it's like, okay, do I just sit here? Is that what I'm supposed to do? And the answer is no. There's so much more to just than just remaining stationary. And in Psalm 46.10, a verse that's familiar to some of us in the room, Jesus said, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. Be still. So when we talk about abiding or being still, it is us understanding who we are. We're coming to the truth and understanding who we are in light of who God is. That we're branches meant to receive life from the vine. And a mentor of mine told me once that, he said, Neil, you don't bear fruit by trying to strain and force life to the end of your branch. You bear fruit by allowing God 
to flow his life from the vine into you. That's what Jesus is bringing about. And just nature shows us that, and that's why this picture is so powerful of the vine providing life, and it's the source of all that would be fruitful. And what a beautiful picture that is. So not only did Israel understand that in the way that they were spoken of in prophecies before, but they also saw that visually, and we experience that ourselves, that there is a beauty to what God means to bring out of our life as we stay connected to him. So for some of us, the idea of being still just sounds like persecution. And, you know, we just want to manufacture the stuff. Just give me the list. I want to get the stuff done. I want to do the things. And sometimes that's how we are in our spiritual life as well, that I'm just going to make my orthodox belief, the way that I think about God, so perfect, and I'm going to study, and I'm going to give myself to all of these religious things. And those things are beautiful if they're connecting us to Christ. But many times for people that can pull them away from what Jesus described as our first love, you've forgotten your first love, and come to experience and abide in Jesus as satisfying. As we sang that song enough, that it's not just that we believe things about Jesus, but that our hearts are truly satisfied and that he fills us. And that's the life that we're meant to receive. And Jesus is interested in who you are, not because you bring good works to the table and look at all the stuff that I did for you, Jesus. No, he's interested in your heart because he loves you and wants to relate to you and flow his life into you. The yard that we're in uh, has more trees times 10 than we've ever experienced in any other house that we've lived in. And with the rain and the wind that's come over the last few weeks, it's like a branch funeral in our yard every day. We could just gather up so much, which I love having campfires in the yard, so it's a win-win. But I'm struck in seeing all of those branches more and more every day that they have come off of those trees. No longer do they have life flowing through them. And just like the man I mentioned at the outset, that the result of his violent life resulted in connection, that he was disconnected from people. And this is a considerably important thing for us to understand. It's vitally important, where do we find our source? And I would ask you, where do you find your source of life? It's a blessing, and it's a wonderful responsibility for us to consider uh, how we abide in Christ. And I would submit to you that the sooner we realize that we are the ones that are receiving life, we're not living to earn the life or try to make it in our own strength, but that we're receivers of that life, the more fruitful we'll be able to be. And the amazing thing about abiding in Christ is that he means to produce fruit in us, that he wants you to utilize the things that you've been given. And so we talk about people being gifted. She's so gifted, or look at the gifts that that guy has. And those things were given, those gifts were given by a good God that understands that he wants you to use those things, that he means for you to use and experience those things. And it's not just about, hey, Pastor Paul's life or this missionary across the street that I know or across the world or our insanely godly grandmother. It's not just those people that go produce fruit. I need you to understand, and some of us really need to hear today, God means to produce fruit in your life. And the word fruit that's used there is about produce coming from crop-bearing plants. So there's an expectation. Jesus is excited to see the fruit that comes as we abide in him, as we're connected to the vine. So as we continue forward, I just want to give you five ideas, and we could sit down and make a list. There's nothing magical about the ones that I have here. Uh, we could make a list of ways to abide and how we could see fruit 
come from our life, but I just came up with these five and felt led to them, and so I just want to share these with you. And just like a few weeks ago, I would encourage you to consider which one of these five would the Lord most have for you in your life to hold on to, to pray for, and how can you abide in, in one of these this week? So don't try to think about all of them, just figure out which one is best for you. And so the first, in terms of how we abide in Christ, in terms of how we can bear fruit, is time with God. And so time with God is really an important thing for us. And you might go, dude, that's Captain Obvious. Like, of course I'm going to have a quiet time if I'm going to grow in Christ. But it's a challenging thing for many of us. And there's no way we can expect to see fruit come from our life and for us to continually grow if we're not making a consistent investment. And so when it comes to prayer and Bible reading, that is a great path for us. And some of you would say, you know what, I just struggle in prayer. I have a short attention span myself, and so if I don't have a list, it's like, you know, I forget what I'm doing and off into other things. But having a list really helps. And the shorter, for me, the shorter the list, the better. And so if you're looking for a way to just re-engage with prayer or to get started, I would encourage you, just start with three things that the Lord has put on your heart. And be as selfish as you want because, again, Jesus desires to relate to us and flow his life into us. And so what a good way to start of just the three things that are most important to you that you want to bring before the Lord. And so start with that. And for seven days, I would encourage you just to pray for those three things and see what God God does in your life. Also, with Bible reading, it's an important thing. And um, we have created a pathway that... Over 150 Ridgewaters have thus signed up so far this year, and you can just sign up for it on our website. It's a two-year Bible reading plan, and uh, I like it in the sense that um, if you go sign up on our website, you scroll down, you'll see the coffee cup. The scriptures and coffee together, great friends, such good friends. But you can sign up, get, your, get it sent to your email every day. There's an accountability to that. There's a reminder to that. Um, and we're in graduation season right now. We just graduated from Leviticus and Numbers, which feels great, and now we're in Deuteronomy, which hooray for us in Deuteronomy. Um, The Lord brought us through. It's a good thing. But it's been a rich time in the Psalms as well, and so there's a couple different places that you read every day within that Bible reading plan. So if you don't have something of your own, I would encourage you to sign up and receive that. So those things are important. Consistent investment, even though it's simple, will go a long way for you in bearing fruit in time with God. The next thing is where you are, that we bear fruit where God has put us. And what I mean by this is that a lot of us, um, and me included, need to cultivate eyes to see people in our life that somewhat happened to us. So in work and in neighborhood and within our schools, who are people that we didn't necessarily choose but they actually are in our life. Do you have eyes to see them? Do you know that God wants to use you in the lives of your neighbor at the mailbox and people that you encounter, people that have happened to you? Do you have eyes to see that? So many times I'm a sauce person for meals, and so it's hot sauce or sriracha or barbecue sauce. I go to the fridge and open it up, and I just stand there, and I'm looking, and I'm looking. And I'm like, hey, Deborah, where's the whatever sauce? And she walks right over and points it out. And it's just like, how do they do that? It's amazing. She, she loves to, she loves the opportunity to be patient and show the fruit of the Spirit to me. When I can't find stuff, it's her favorite. Um, so she just is like, look how godly I am. I just care for you so much. Do you have eyes to see and are you abiding in Christ right where you are in seeing people? The third thing as we go through these uh, out of five is that fruit happens through intentional relationships. 
And something that I've discovered, and it's taken me a while to really kind of take ownership of this, and this, again, may seem really obvious to you, is that disciple-making happens in the lives of actual people. So if I'm going to uh, follow the, the command that Jesus gave us in the Great Commission, where he said, hey, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you, and guess what? I'm going to be with you in that. If I'm going to receive that as a command and live that out in my life in making disciples, that has to happen through, in the flesh, real people that I'm investing in. And there was a lot of years that I just thought disciple-making just was this osmosis sort of thing, and it is if we're connected to people, but oftentimes we just go, oh, that's somebody else's thing, I don't need to invest. So where would the Lord have intentional relationships for you to invest in? It could be your neighbors, it could be your coworkers, but where is it that you, at least in the life of one person, are giving of what the Lord has given in your life? There's a man named Richard Jones that was my Sunday school teacher when I was in fourth grade, and uh, he taught us. We split off guys and girls one morning, uh, and he had us get down on our stomachs and rest on our elbows, and he said, boys, this is how I like to pray, because this is a reminder of how big God is and how small I am in my relationship with him, and he was teaching me in that moment how to abide, and it was a simple two or three minute thing that he showed us, but what a powerful impact that's had on my life. And Richard later had to have, uh, he was uh, sick most of his life. He had to have a double lung transplant that bought him a few more years of life. And I got to go and spend time with him for subsequent years. He was a mentor to me. And even before he knew that his days were short, he was investing himself intentionally in relationship because he knew that there's an eternality to how we go forward in making disciples. Can we take one little step towards somebody that we play golf with for those that we walk in our neighborhood walking groups with, in our community group, coworker that you have lunch with, how do we take one step closer to somebody in giving of what's been given to us in their lives? It happens in the life of actual people. The fourth thing uh, is to live out kingdom values. And you might be like, what does that even mean? Well, in this series, in going through the Gospel of John, our desire is to receive from Jesus in learning Jesus what are the kingdom values that he's showing us? So if we're going to live in the way of Jesus, how does he relate to the Father? We want to have the value and understand how he relates to the Father. How does he relate to those that were his followers, to the disciples? What does he say to overly religious people? We want to understand what's the kingdom value there as he's drawing them to see the truth. And how does he love those that are needy and those that are poor? How does he enter into their world? What are the kingdom values that we receive as we go through in learning Jesus? We want to live those things out. 1 John 2.6 says that whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way that Jesus walked. So in the manner that he walked, we want to emulate that. We want to live that out. And that's where we say yes to kingdom values. The last thing is that, that we would, number five would be commit to the local church. Commit yourself to the local church. And this is coming, just as you have today, to services to our gatherings on Sunday. But then it goes way beyond that in serving, in giving, and in putting your life in intentional community here. And many of you have given your life so faithfully to invest yourself here for a lot of years. And church attendance is not what I'm saying in particular about this, but when we plug ourselves and give our time, talent, and treasure very intentionally to a community of believers, 
the scriptures would show us a path that that it will lead and almost guarantee fruit in our life if we're regularly with deep intention investing ourselves and committing ourselves to the local church. And it's been said that oftentimes we way overestimate what we can accomplish in a short amount of time, in a year or something like that, but we grossly underestimate what God would do in our life through a lifetime of faithfulness. And so I want to thank you for the ways that you've invested here and would encourage you to keep going, whether it's here or another gospel preaching church if you're visiting with us today. The ways that you invest in the local church and commit yourself there matters. Some of you maybe have been coming for uh, a number of months or years in and just attending. You come and you go, and we're really glad that you're here. Perhaps the Lord would call you to take another step forward in serving. Maybe it's getting into a community group. Perhaps it's giving for the first time that you've never had the joy of worshiping God and giving back of what he's entrusted to you. Committing ourselves to the local church really, really matters. So as we turn towards closing, none of these things are meant, and I'm not saying that they make us a super Christian, but I would submit to you that walking in these things will help us, and it's a good pathway for us to lean into receiving life from the source that we would bear fruit. And I love this quote from John Stott. He was a pastor and author in England. He passed away in 2011, but has been incredibly influential, very godly, biblical, saturated dude. And he said, a Christian should resemble a fruit tree with real fruit, not a Christmas tree with decorations tied on. So that so many times we look to show ourselves to be Christ-like, We want to go through the motions and do the deal, but what Jesus is appealing for is actual fruit. And what's great about that is that's not something that we have to posture and pose and try to do in our own strength. No, we just simply receive what it is that Jesus means to do in flowing his life from vine, him the vine, into our lives, the branches. And so all of this, I just hope that you would connect with one of these this week that you would pray and seek to abide in Christ for as we come to him as our connection to life. And so I just would invite you to bow your head just for a minute or so and consider what it is that God might be saying to you. And then we'll take the Lord's Supper here together in just a minute. So just sit quietly for a second. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. For more faith-based resources or information about Ridgewood Church, visit us at myrwc.org.